You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. This edition of It's My Money is brought to you by Brenthurst Wealth, your partner for global wealth creation. Welcome to It's My Money. It's My Money is brought to you by Brenthurst Wealth, South Africa's top boutique wealth manager. And today I'm speaking to Aaron Ruttenberg, who is in the Santon office of Brenthurst Wealth. And Aaron, you sent me this piece today, and this is the sort of thing I like now because I'm a, I'm a market person, not a personal finance person. Uh, not that I don't understand it, it's just I prefer the markets. The headline is, will the stock market fall if earnings fall? And you go on to say one of the worst parts about any bear market is that it feels like there's always something else to worry about that hasn't even happened yet that could make things even worse. And you go on to say about you know China and Taiwan and Ukraine and, and everything else. Um, but then you go down to the nitty gritty of it and you say, corporate earnings have held up pretty well this year, but certainly they would fall if we go into a broad economic slowdown. And then you say right at the end with a question mark. Now we're coming up into earnings season in the United States as we speak. And I just wonder if this will either be the making of the market or the continued breaking of the market. What do you think? Hi, Lindsay. Hello to your listeners. I think this is exactly why I wrote this article. Mainly for you. I know you like the markets. I let all my colleagues just write personal finance stuff. I'll stick to speaking about the markets with you. Thank you. you. <laughs> um, so, yeah, look, you know, everybody has, an, there's always a narrative, you know, and we're always trying to find the next narrative and what we're thinking about is going to happen next. That's the whole thing about the market is it's, it's always trying to project the future. The first narrative was, you know, there was a lot of money printing during COVID and that led to inflation. Um, well, starting. Um, and then inflation started coming through and then the Fed said, no, it's transitory. But then it ended up not being transitory. And me and you discussed that. And the Fed, re- Fed said, you know, they, when they realized they were wrong, you know, then they started hiking rates. And now we we're at this point where we're thinking, okay, well, are they hiking rates too aggressively because they were behind the curve? And, you know, again, are the Fed right or are they wrong? Um, you know, that remains to be seen. I have a belief that they're certainly hiking rates too quickly and too aggressively because they haven't let their hiking rates come in yet, you know, as it's a lagging indicator. But, you know, if we get a recession anytime soon, it'll certainly be the most obvious recession in history um, that everyone could have predicted in advance, um, you know, in light of the Fed. And, you know, when you then speak about corporate earnings having held up pretty well this year, which I, which I think they have, and now going into quarter three earnings, um, you know, will, will we fall or go into a, into a broad economic slowdown? That makes sense. But stock market valuations are almost always some function of price to another variable. And that's where I go in into what I've written here and, and I'm going to release. So when I say stock market valuations are almost a function of price to another variable it's either price to earnings which we're all talking about that pe now yeah. is earnings coming down or it's price to sales or it's price to cash flows so sure price has already come down which we've seen is we bear markets in most indices but what happens when earnings sales and cash flows come down next and that's what i really wanted to go through and just try and explain that it, it's not always as it seems um, when we look at all of those variables. Yes, you say stock market valuations are almost always some function of price to another variable. And you've said it, but I'll say it again. Price to earnings, price to sales, price to cash flows, price to book is something I'll add in there as well. Sure, the price has already come down, you say, but what happens when the earnings, sales and cash flows come down next? What I would say is that 
If the market is listening to the CEO of a very well-known US-based investment bank, a global investment bank, then they'll say, okay, we've got a recession coming. But the big question here is, as a couple of major indices are already in a bear market, has that already been discounted, Aaron? And that's the exact thing that I've tried to show in this article was we always worried about and a lot of investors, because at the end of the day, that's who I look after, my clients, and they're all worried about, well, everything's gone down. So there's what's called a loss aversion bias, where we're just looking at what's happened recently or recency bias, and they see their portfolios down. And then they immediately think, okay, well, now it's time to, well, you know, the ones that panic the most, it's, it's, and anyone in the world, it's time to withdraw, it's time to get out of the market. But what a lot of people who, who don't understand markets entirely, which there is so many variables to markets, is that, hey, this can already be priced in. So if you take your money out, you might actually be taking it out at the worst time because we could see something that, you know, drives market sentiment up. And that's where I decided to use this historical data from Robert Schiller, who's a professor of economics at Yale. And basically it went through each decade from the 1930s to the 2010s. It's very interesting, actually, because the only one that's, the only one that's yeah. no, sorry to interrupt, I'm just looking at it now. Look, and the cool. only time that it was negative and there were two occasions. The 1930s, S&P 500 total returns, obviously a different world in those days, minus half a percent. And the 2000s, minus 9.1%. Otherwise, spectacular returns, Aaron. Exactly. And the funny thing is, when earnings growth were lights out in the 1940s now, because you've mentioned the 1930s earnings growth was, was negative, and then so was S&P 500 because I used S&P 500. So in the 1930s and the 2000s, as you've said, earnings growth was really poor and so were the returns. But when you look at the 1940s and the 1990s and the 2010s, um, earnings growth was spectacular and so did the stock market follow. But then looking at the 1970s, amazing earnings growth with poor stock performance happened. So that was the inverse. Earnings didn't grow at all that much in the 1980s, but the stock market blasted higher. And this was the same in the 50s. So your point earlier with how the market discounts future earnings, well, if earnings are poor, this could really be like the, like the 1990s or like the 1950s where earnings were very poor for a decade. Well, po positive but poor. But the stock market was incredibly well, ran incredibly higher and thus pricing in or what we hope that the market is priced in already we could really enter those type of decades um, going forward we might not it might be decent returns i don't think the returns are going to be like what we saw in COVID times obviously because of the money printing but it doesn't mean that earnings goes down that we're going to certainly see terrible stock market performance um, which we have done. We've, we've, we've seen that already. I mean, it's been horrible. I don't know about you, but when I look at my screen every morning, I think this is not like other bear markets I've, I've experienced. I've always experienced markets that are one big washout quickly and then it recovers. This one is grinding low all the time. I mean, I, I looked at my screen this morning and uh, the S&P was down and around about 1%. And I thought, why is this? 
what's going on? And um, it's, it's just relentless. And even when it rallies, it gets knocked back. It's just like a sell the rallies market. I think the one thing that could happen is that everybody says in their post result statement in the United States, because we're coming up to the quarterly earnings season, I think it starts today, actually, um, or it starts this week, certainly. I think if, if there's any hint of optimism, or it's not as bad as people thought, then we could have put the bottom in in the market. And I hope so. I agree. They say bull markets are markets that continually, you know, they go up, not not rise quickly. And this is to your point, they, they go up and then any bad news, they go down sharply. Um, bear markets are markets that go down gradually, but any good news, they go up sharply. And that's what we've been seeing. Any good news with which they thought there would be a Fed, well, the market thought there'd be a pivot by the Fed, a more dovish pivot. So did you see, well, we, over the, I think it was last week, we got such a wonderful rally. Um, and then all of a sudden, well, you know, that, that was because it was good news perceived in a bear market that went up. And, and that's exactly to your point. But, uh, you know, between 1930 and 1921, S&P corporate earnings were positive from, you know, year to year, 61 times and negative 31 times. I know this time is different, but that's what every investor says. But two thirds of the time throughout these years, earnings were growing and one third of the time earnings were shrinking. So it makes sense when you consider the stock market is positive roughly three out of four years on average. Um, the tricky part here is when trying to use earnings to handicap the stock market as the ups and downs don't always line up perfectly. And, you know, if you were to only, if you were to only invest in the stock market when earnings were up year, to, year on year, and I actually wrote this, there's a little bit of a table there, but if you invested in the stock market when earnings were up year on year, your average annual return would be 10.2% when earnings were up year on year over that period. But if you only invested in stocks when earnings were down year on year, you, you did your tactical asset allocation that way, your average return would have been 9.8%, which also lines up to my colleague Gustav who said, you know, trying to buy the market dip is not always the right thing. For me, it's about averaging into the market. And that just shows you don't know what earnings is going to bring to the stock market. So I always say to clients, well, you know, let's phase in or let's dollar cost average in or whatever currency you use. Yeah, of course, you're not going to wake up on a Wednesday morning and say, OK, that's it. I've got all this money on the side. I'm going to put everything into this particular stock or this particular sector or this particular asset class. You are going to ease it in, of course, because no one can time the market unless they're extremely fortunate or an alien. What are you doing at the moment? We've got earnings season upon us in the market, uh, in the United States, rather. And United States markets, which are obviously a driver of many other global markets as well, on its knees, I mean, from a technical point of view, completely oversold, Aaron. So to me, the line of least resistance is actually to the upside for the short term. Not a V-shaped recovery, but it does look to me as though any good news is going to be seized upon. Exactly. That's, that's the whole thing about a bear market, is any good news will be seized upon and a rally will, will come thereafter. I think, you know, the further sharp repricing of financial markets in recent weeks, particularly in bonds, is rapidly discounting the increasingly hawkish shift by central banks. Um, valuations have improved materially. Real yields on longer bonds in the U.S. have moved from sharply negative to significantly positive. Nominal yields have, you know, across parts of the bond universe are now attractive. So those 60-40 portfolios are looking a little bit more attractive where um, clients can actually earn a yield in that 40 part for the bond allocation part. Um, but otherwise, what am I doing personally is just I'm 
continually investing, continually in rebalancing. When things get too aggressively high like they did in 2021, well, then I would shift from equity into bonds. Not, not, not in the case that I would move out entirely, but if my portfolio was supposed to be 60% in equity and 40% in bonds, and then all of a sudden I found myself 80% equity, 20% bonds, um, then I would have just shifted it gradually to make sure that it's in line with my specific you know, risk profile, my specific asset allocation. Um, and look, earnings are going to be very interesting now. I, mean, I think there's Procter & Gamble to come, Tesla, and, and a number of companies, the, the, the big banks, and which obviously is going to show how resilient the economy is. Consumer Confidence Index, PMI, um, numbers coming out, the Fed is going to release, well, CPI is going to be released soon. Hopefully those, those numbers will have come down and you'll see some pretty good rallies if it's to the, um, if it hasn't met expectations, hopefully to the downside. But again, I just continue investing. Yeah, obviously you've got to buy the dips. I mean, you look at your table from the 1920s, 30s, whenever it was, up until the present day. It's only a couple of there's only a couple of decades when things go down. And if you're, if for example, a relatively young investor, then you just look at that and you say, okay, I'll listen to Aaron Ruttenberg and <laughs> Brentner's wealth and uh, let him let him get on with it because. I mean, statistically, okay, things can go occasionally a little bit longer or a little bit shorter than the previous legacy of statistics. But on the other hand, I don't see why anyone should worry too much if the market comes down. In fact, they should embrace the bear market and use it to their advantage to accumulate. Look, it's possible that an earnings recession will lead to another leg down in the stock market. But personally, I believe we're in a bottom formation. We, we, we're mm. closer to the bottom, in other words, than we could ever be. Um, so should there be another leg down? In my view, it won't go really past the pre-COVID highs where we got the artificial, artificially inflated markets caused by monetary stimulus and quantitative easing. But over the last 90 years, and look, there's been inflation in the 70s, but over the last 90 years, the stock market has been more likely to see positive returns, double-digit returns, and up years of 20% or more when earnings are down from one year to the next. The market is also more likely to experience a double-digit loss, but not by much. So there's more of a chance of, of getting it right by continually investing, you know, aligning your strategy. If your strategy is to actually invest when earnings are down, I mentioned 9.8% return over the last, well, since 1931 versus 10.2%. It doesn't matter which, which you choose. You would have been up. One has to stick with a strategy whether it's a strategy of continuously buying no matter what happens, buying when earnings are down, buying when earnings are up, or just buying every month. There's no perfect, there's no perfect you know, strategy, but you have to stick with one. And that one will work, especially for the young investor, just continually invest and stick with that strategy. And also the other thing is, and I don't want to get stock specific, but there are certain companies, certainly on the JSC Securities Exchange, that if you'd have constantly kept on buying, you would have seen the seat of your pants, let me put it politely. I mean, there's a couple of companies which I won't mention, but you would never have got your money back. But on the other side, so I think during these times, stick to quality. And then once you've made your money in the quality stocks, and you use a little bit, a small percentage in things that are slightly more risky. I don't know, that's just me. And I'm, this is not a Brent Wealth recommendation. That's me throwing it out to you. 
I agree with you. And I think, look, if you don't understand how to invest in stocks, because there's so many metrics that you can use to invest in stock-specific companies. And yes, those companies, I know which ones you're speaking about. I know of one particular one, I won't say it, but the point is that if you invested in the JC Top 40 or even the Aussie, um, you know, and, and didn't decide to listen to people on the radio who you thought may have been correct in all, you know, and, 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 and not really do your own research, because when it comes to stocks, it's, it's more about doing your own research. If you just invested in the stock market itself, you know, your, your risk of loss or, or, or what you would have lost, you know, would have been insignificant as, as if you had decided to buy five stocks over that period with, your, with a higher weighting to what you thought would have been an amazing company and it actually went bankrupt. So, you know, for those investors that are very much, you know, just want to put money into the markets, whether it's a unit trust or an ETF, you know, rather get a broad-based share portfolio of of stocks through those vehicles than trying to buy stocks yourself in which you've got to use all these variables that we mentioned, you know, price to book, depending on what type of company it is, whether it's a bank, it can be, um, you know, cost to income ratio, etc. Rather just buy the market and give yourself that chance and, you know, continue what you're going to do, whether it's you play golf or tennis or whatever it may be, continue to live your life and let compounding take its, take its time. Yeah. Okay, I don't want to give any predictions uh, because that would be um, uh, churlish and uh, irresponsible of me to, to do so. But I've got a feeling that, that, that something's happening at the moment, uh, Aaron. And the next time we speak, we'll look back at this conversation and say, actually, Lindsay, you were completely wrong as usual. And, and I was right. But anyway, thank you very much for your sage advice. Aaron Ruttenberg <laughs> is from the Santon office of Brenthurst Wealth. And that was It's My Money. It's My Money was brought to you by Brenthurst Wealth, an award-winning boutique wealth management company. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.